take your Bibles out and turn to the book of James. James, the chapter number one. James, the chapter number one. The book of James is all about living out an authentic faith. Living out a faith that is not counterfeit, but living out a faith that is real, that is genuine, that is authentic. That's the kind of faith God wants us to live out. And as we've seen this faith... It relates to really every aspect of life, every area of life. It relates to trials we go through and how we respond in faith to trials. It relates to temptations, you know, when we're tempted to sin. Again, faith relates to that, how we respond in faith, trusting God and overcoming sin within our life. But as we'll see here tonight, we're going to be dealing with faith in the Word of God. How does faith respond to the Word of God? How does authentic faith respond to to the truth of the Word of God. That's what we're going to be taking a look at tonight. And let's begin reading here in verse number 21. And the Bible says, Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness, and receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your souls. But be ye doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass. For he beholdeth himself and goeth his way and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein, he be not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. Let's pray. Father, we come before you, Lord, and God, we just thank you for the truth that we have heard in song. And God, I pray now that you would bless the truth we're about to hear in Scripture. God, I pray, Lord, you would help me tonight as I teach and as I preach. I pray you just give me clarity in my thoughts and in my words. Lord, help me to say what you would have me to say, Lord, and to be faithful, and Lord, and to exalt Christ. And God, I pray, Lord, that you would speak to hearts today through your word. I pray that the Spirit of God would work in hearts, would work in lives. And God, that each and every one of us here tonight would have hearts that are tender, would have hearts that are teachable. God, I pray, Lord, that, that it be true of us, Lord. God, that we would not only be hearers of the word, but that it be true of us that we are also doers of the word of God. Or that we continue in the word. God, I pray that that be true of our lives. God, help us now to respond to your word, Lord, with the heart of true faith. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so this evening we want to continue on with our series, taking a look at the book of James. And a couple of things just uh, uh, to remind you of, and I've, I've mentioned some of these things before. Uh, again, how can you get the most out of this series? A couple of things. Um, again, if it helps, I would, I would encourage you to take notes. You know, if that helps you. I know for some people uh, taking notes is, is maybe it doesn't help you. Maybe it distracts you. But if that helps you, I would encourage you to take notes. And that's something you could go back and review. Um, I would encourage you also, if you haven't already read through the entirety of the book of James, read through the book in its entirety. All right. I would encourage you to do that as well. Um, also, again, if, if you have missed any of the sermons we've gone over, I would encourage you to go back and listen to those sermons. Uh, I think I think we're about uh, four or five sermons into the series so far. So, again, you haven't you haven't missed. Uh, again, it'd be easy to catch up at this point. Now, wait a couple of weeks and that's going to become more difficult. Uh, just so that you have a comprehensive view of the book of James. And next time you go back and you read through it, the truths that you've learned just, again, jump out of the page. You know, jump out of the page at you. And again, you're able to recall the things that you have learned. 
Uh, Well, tonight we're going to be dealing with how authentic faith responds to the Word of God. Again, the Word of God plays such a vital part within the life of the believer. I mean, without the Word of God, again, we would not be saved. You know, the Word of God is what teaches us about salvation. It is the Word of God that reveals God to us, that shows us our need of Christ, and that shows us how, again, who that Savior is and what Jesus Christ did for us and how we can be made right with God. But not only is the Word of God essential for salvation, uh, the Word of God is also essential in daily life and practice for the believer in Christ. It is essential for sanctification. Again, the only way that you are going to grow is to, again, be nourished on the Word of God, is to eat the Word of God, you can say, you know, to see this as your milk and your meat that you need in order to grow thereby. All right, consuming the Word of God is so important. Just like, again, physical food relates to physical health, and you need food to survive, so you need the Word of God to survive. And hearing the Word of God is vital. Learning how to hear the Word of God in a way, again, that it brings forth fruit within your life. That is essential. That is vital. It is so easy, and I'm sure all of us have done this at some point, it is so easy to just hear the Word of God, let it go in one ear, out the other, and then it's gone forever. We don't remember anything about it, and we don't apply any of it to our lives. And that is what we want to avoid. That is what, again, we we want to steer clear from, and we don't want that to be be the case within our life. Consider with me who James is speaking to here. James is speaking to brethren. Okay, He's speaking to Jewish believers, those who are saved. You could call, I mean, these are are first century Christians. You could say these are church-going people, all right? Again, they are people who are more familiar with the Word of God. They hear the Word of God as they gather on the Lord's Day to hear it preached, to hear it taught. They're hungry for the Word of God. Again, and and James warns them about about the danger of becoming mere hearers of the Word, but not doers of the Word of God. James makes it clear that how we hear the Word of God will have a spiritual effect upon us. There are people, again, who will merely hear the word of God, but then turn around and not obey what they just heard. And the Bible makes it clear that those who do that are heading down a path of self-deception. On the other hand, the Bible says that those who hear the word of God and who apply the truth of the word of God to their life, they obey the word of God, they live out the truth of the word of God, these are those that are blessed. These are those that, again, for example, in our scripture reading, these are those that build uh, build the house of their life upon a solid rock. So when the stream arises, when the winds blow, when the waves beat upon the house, it doesn't collapse. They are strengthened by the word of God. So how can we make sure that we are hearing the word of God the right way? That will bring God's blessing upon our life. A couple of things, a simple outline tonight. Uh, Beginning in verse number 21, the the first way that we hear the word of God the right way is by making sure that we are receiving the word. And you say, again, that makes sense. That's so basic. That's so simple. Yes, it is. All right. But consider with me some of the truths that are before us. Verse number 21. The Bible says, wherefore, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness and receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your souls. Now notice that the verse here begins with the word wherefore. All right, we saw that last week as well. 
But when you have the word wherefore, it's tying it back to the truth that has been previously stated. And what is the truth we looked at last week? We talked about the new birth. All right, the new birth, being born again, leads to a new life. If any man is in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. So because of, because of this new birth, again, as, as believers in Christ, what should be our response to the word of God? How should we properly respond to the word of God? And for the Christian, again, really, it's, it's basic, it's essential that we recognize the importance of receiving the word of God into one's life. Now, if you say, again, that's so basic, that's so simple, then consider with me the fact that the Bible teaches here that there is a proper way to receive the word of God. There is a way that you must prepare your heart in order to receive the word of God, even as a believer in Christ. Consider with me what the verse says here. First of all, it says, receive with meekness the engrafted word. James makes it clear that in order to receive the word of God, we must have hearts that are prepared to receive it. All right. Just like untilled soil, unprepared soil is not able, again, as the sower goes forth, he casts the seed into the ground and it's going to be unproductive seed. And so it is with our hearts. Can our hearts, the, the fallow ground of our heart needs to be plowed up so that we can receive the seed of the word. So that we can receive the life-giving truth of the word of God uh, within our lives, within our hearts. Again, an unprepared heart is unable to receive the seed of God's word. Consider this quote uh, by one Bible commentator. He says this, and I quote, he says, James saw the human heart as a garden. If left to itself, the soil would produce only weeds. He urged us to pull out the weeds to prepare the soil for the word of God. The phrase superfluity of naughtiness gives the picture of a garden overgrown with weeds that cannot be controlled. It is foolish to try to receive God's word into an unprepared heart. And this is something that is so often missing within our lives. We think again that we can just set before the word of God and receive it without our hearts being prepared. Again, and that is one reason why, again, I, I try to encourage, uh, again, our, our church family to uh, prepare yourselves for worship. Prepare yourself for the preaching of the word of God. Uh, again, I, I like to say that, uh, you know, preparation for Sunday really, really, be, worship really begins on Saturday night. You know, preparing your mind, preparing your heart to receive the truth of the word of God. All right. The, the, the seed of the word of God, again, if it falls upon your heart and your heart is unprepared to receive it, it's going to be unprofitable for you. You must make sure that your heart is is prepared, is ready to receive the word of truth, is receptive of the truth of the word of God. So what kind of heart is necessary to receive the word of God? Two things that are mentioned here. First of all, we must receive the word of God with a holy heart. Now, remember here, James is speaking to believers in Christ. All right, those who have had, you could say, spiritual heart surgery. All right, God has, God has, they have been born again by the Spirit of God. Uh, they have a new nature received from God. Again, they have a new life uh, because of God and because of the truth of the gospel received into their life. Yet James tells even believers, believers in Christ, even you must prepare your hearts to receive the truth of the word of God. In other words, there are things that if I allow in my life, if I allow things to go undeterred and undetected in my life and unchecked, there are things that I can allow into my life that will actually hinder me from hearing the word of God. 
so that the word of God profits me spiritually. And the big thing, get the big thing, the big weed that grows in the garden of the heart is what? It's sin. All right. Whenever we allow sin to go unchecked within our life, again, it is going to stop our hearts from being able to receive the truth of the word of God. And that's what James says here. James says, wherefore, lay apart, that means put it off, cast it aside, all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness. All right, so James says, in, again, in, in, in effect, he says, um, again, put away sin, put away sinful behavior, like taking off a filthy, a stained garment. All right, in the same way, put sin out of your life so that your heart is truly prepared to receive the truth of the word of God. James refers to this as as filthiness. All right, this refers to moral filth. This refers to unclean behavior that is contrary to the word of God. He refers also to a superfluity of naughtiness. And you may be wondering again, what in the world does that mean? What it means is abundance of evil, superabundance of, of wickedness. In other words, we are to lay apart, we're to put off, we're to cast aside all that is, all that is sinful, all that is defiling, all that is corrupting. All that draws our hearts and our thoughts, our mind away from God. God does not call his children to be partially holy. God calls us to seek him first and to live holy lives that are dedicated to the Lord Jesus Christ in every area. Again, Christ needs to be Lord not just of some areas of our life, but of every area of our life. That is what God wants within us. That is what God wants to be the reality of our lives. That every area of our life is submitted to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. As a believer in Christ, it's, it's, it's good for us to be reminded, again, that, that your body doesn't belong to you. All right? As a believer in Christ, you have been purchased with a price. You have been purchased with the precious blood of Jesus Christ that was shed on Calvary for you. Jesus Christ redeemed you, he reconciled you, he adopted you, he justified you, and he purchased you for by himself and for himself so that you are no longer your own. You serve a perfect master. You've been freed from sin. You've been bought from the slave market of sin. No longer a servant of sin. Now you are a servant of righteousness. 1 Corinthians 6.20 says, For ye are bought with a price... Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. All right, so the Bible says, believer in Christ, you have been purchased. Again, whenever you are tempted to sin, think of all that Jesus Christ went through in order to purchase your salvation. Think of the shedding of his blood. Again, tonight we're going to participate in the Lord's Supper. It is a memorial. It reminds us of all that Jesus did for us. In his body being broken, in his blood being shed for us. Again, when we are tempted to sin, it would do us well to take a moment and consider Christ. To consider all that Christ went through. To consider all that Christ did for us. The Bible says you have been bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Alright, so this here is written to believers in Christ. Which reminds us of a couple of things. It reminds us, first of all, that as believers, we must be intentional about putting off sin. We must, I mean, the Bible talks about mortifying the deeds of the flesh. That, 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 that's a strong word. It means put it to death. Kill sin in your life. 
shared a quote a couple of weeks ago, be killing sin or sin will be killing you. All right, again, wage war against sin by the grace of God, armed with the word of God, upheld by the spirit of God. Again, we are more than conquerors through Christ. And again, God gives us the victory as we trust in him and as we obey him and as we apply his word within our life. So Christians need to be intentional in putting off sin and putting on Christ's likeness. This doesn't happen by accident. And this doesn't happen automatically. No, this takes intentionality. This takes walking in the Spirit of God. This takes obeying the Word of God. But this also reminds us of a second thing, too. And that is the fact that as a believer, sin is something you're going to battle with till the day you die. You are in a war against sin as a Christian. And some people think, oh, now that I become a Christian, again, the, the battle won't be there. Actually, the battle intensifies. But only now you've been given the weapons to overcome that sin. That's the good news. You have been given the resources in Christ to overcome that sin within your life. But you can't ever put the weapons down. You can't ever retreat from the battle. You cannot ever, again, go and rest in this battle that we are in until you're with Christ in heaven. But again, it's a battle that you must wage day in and day out, week in and week out, month in and month out, year in and year out. Let's continue on, though. Can we, we find here, again, that sin can be put away and sin must be put away within our life. Again, if you are going to receive the word of God like you need to, then you must battle sin. Again, if, if your heart is going to be prepared, you cannot be... Again, again, entertaining sin or holding sin as something precious within your life and trying to pursue Christ at the same time. Again, you must turn your back upon sin, pursue Christ fully so that, again, your heart is prepared to receive the word of God. In a very well-known quote, I know I've, I've, uh, many people have it written in their Bible. Uh, the, the quote that says, this book will keep you from sin or sin will keep you from this book. And how true that is. Such a basic, simple quote, but how, how true. This book will keep you from sin or sin will keep you from this book. Again, so often, again, people will not receive the teaching of the word of God because of the fact that they love their sin more than they love the Savior. There are many times, again, whenever you offer, again, people the truth of the word of God, but again, they, they, there's this battle within them. What's more important, serving Christ or loving sin? And we all have to wage that battle. Again, many times it, it is this sin, or again, most times it is this sin that keeps us from living a life to the glory of God. If you come before the word of God and there is, there is bitterness in your heart, if you come before the word of God and there is discontentment or ingratitude, if you come before the word of God and there is uh, lack of forgiveness in your life, if you come before the word of God and there is sinful anger in your life, if you come before the word of God and there is pride in your heart, if you come before the word of God and there are lustful thoughts in your heart, if you come before the word of God and there is a love for the things of the world in your heart, then don't be surprised whenever you don't get anything out of the word of God. Or even whenever your heart resists the truth of the word of God. Again, because you're choosing to harbor that sin rather than forsake that sin that will destroy you and seek after the Lord. So we see here we need to receive the word of God with a holy heart. Next, we need to receive the word of God with a humble heart. Uh, take a look at James chapter 1. Take a look again at verse number 21. The Bible says here, Wherefore lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness, 
and receive with, what's the next word, with meekness. The engrafted word which is able to save your souls. We are to come before the word of God with a sense of meekness. We're to come before the word of God with a, with a sense of childlike humility. With the absence of pride within our heart. Again, without, without resisting the truth of the word of God, we must come before the word with a teachable spirit. Saying, God, teach me. God, speak to me. God, transform me. God, change me through your word, even if it hurts in the process. God, I want to be like Christ. God, I want to live a, a life that is glorifying to you. God, help me to have a teachable heart. And whenever that, that, that pride arises in your heart against the word, or whenever you have an argumentative spirit against the word of God, again, check your heart. Again, check your pride. Can repent of your pride and seek a place of humility. Proverbs 25, 9 says, The meek will he guide in judgment, and the meek will he teach his way. Consider what we looked at last week, verse number 19. Take a look at, uh, at verse number 19 here in chapter 1. Uh, I'm not going to dwell here long, but we looked at this last week. The Bible says, Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. All right, we often get the order, we often flip that around, don't we? Instead of following the truth that we find here. And in relation to the word of God even, we need to live this out within our life. Again, can you truly say that whenever it comes to the word of God, you are swift to hear? Can you're swift to hear the word of God. God said it, can I believe it? Can God teach me from your word? God, show me areas of my life or of my thinking where I am erring from the truth, where I am going the wrong way, that I need fixed, that I need corrected within my life. We must be swift to hear the word of God. And that's not only swift to hear, again, the, the encouraging things from the word, but also the hard things in the word, the convicting things in the word. When God uses his word to rebuke us, when God uses his word to chasten us, when God uses his word to correct us even, and it hurts and is painful, the wise person will be the one who will still receive the truth of the word. They will be swift to hear, even when, again, it's not necessarily what they want to hear. They'll be teachable. They're not going to be argumentative with the word. They're not going to be proud. They're not going to come to the word of God with a proud heart, but with a meek heart, with a humble heart, with a childlike humility. Consider thirdly here, the result of receiving God's word with a holy heart and a humble heart. The Bible refers to the Bible, or James refers to the Bible as the engrafted word, notice here, which is able to save your souls. The word engrafted means inborn. It means implanted by nature. It means implanted by others' instruction. Instruction. In other words, whenever the word of God is heard, whenever it is received into one's heart, whenever it is received into one's life, the word of God carries the power within it, not just to inform you, but to transform you, to change you from the inside out, to make you a new person. Again, to change, uh, to, to change you in a way, again, that, is, that is, is, is where you put off sin and where you put on Christ-likeness. Notice it says, which, speaking of the word, is able to save your souls. 
the word save, it means to deliver. And the word save is, is really a generic word. It's used in many different ways throughout the Bible. Usually when we think of save, we think of saved. We think of being born again. We think of justification. And that's often how it's used within the Bible. But the word in and of itself means to deliver. And it has to be defined according to its context. And we need to remember that James here is speaking not to unbelievers. James here is speaking to believers. Okay, James here is speaking to my beloved brethren, as he says in verse number 19. Those who have been saved from the penalty of sin, past sins, by believing the gospel, but also, again, now that they've been saved from the penalty of sin, now they are being saved or delivered from the power of sin within their life. That's the process of sanctification. And that is ongoing. That is progressive. That, again, happens from the moment you get saved to the moment you're glorified, to the moment you are with Christ in glory. So James here is speaking to the fact that God uses his word not just to save our soul from the penalty of sin, not just to save us from eternal damnation, but he also uses his word to save us or to deliver us from the power of sin within our life, from the consequences of sin, from the corruption of sin, again, from the defilement of sin within our lives. And as a believer, as I hear the word, as I obey the word, as I apply the word in my life, God uses his word to deliver me from sin, sin's corruption within my life. But also, again, as it delivers me from sin's corruption and sin's power, it also delivers me from sin's consequences. Again, that I will bear in my life as I continue in sin, as I harbor sin within my life. So we find we must receive the word of God with a humble heart, with a holy heart, and God uses it to sanctify or deliver us. But also, secondly, we need to obey the word of God. Obey the word of God. Take a look at verse 22. Verse number 22 down to verse 25. The Bible says, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. And again, we'll continue on with those other verses here in just a little bit. And we, we begin with the command to hear and to obey. Be ye doers of the word and not hearers only. Don't just hear the word of God. Don't just listen to the word of God. Don't just take in the word of God. Apply the word of God. Obey the word of God. Again, find some truth of the word of God that you can apply within your life today. That you can apply within your life this, this week. Notice what James says here. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. Not serious. James is saying that those who merely hear the word of God, but who do not apply the word of God, who do not obey the word of God, again, will be self-deceived. They will be deceived, again, because they refuse to obey the truth of the word of God. Again, knowing the doctrine of the word of God is good, it's essential, it's a good foundation, but again, that's not enough. You must build upon that foundation. You must live out that truth. You must apply the truth. You must, again, receive the truth within your life. Again, that, that foundation, again, doesn't do you any good unless you, begin, unless you apply it. Otherwise, you will be deceived. Consider this quote. And uh, again, I'll share it with you. It says this. It says, we must translate the Bible into action. The word must become flesh in our lives. There should never be a time when we go to the scriptures without allowing them to change our lives for the better. 
To profess great love for God's word or even to pose as a Bible student is a form of self-deception unless our increasing knowledge of the word is producing increasing likeness to the Lord Jesus. You know, you've probably met people who have lots of Bible knowledge, but then you look at their life and you say, where is the disconnect? You know, again, they have a head crammed full of, 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 of knowledge of the word of God, which is good, which is essential. But then you look at their life and you wonder, again, how it's not being lived out. It hasn't affected them. Again, as they again, as somebody increases in their knowledge of the word of God, there should also be an increase in Christ likeness within their life. Increasing holiness, putting off sin, putting on righteousness. Again, so the two should go together. It shouldn't be one without the other. The two should go together, and the two must go together. James gives an illustration here of the self-deceived person. If you take a look at verse 23 through 24, it says, For if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is likened to a man beholding his natural face in a glass. Again, speaking of a mirror. For he beholdeth himself and goeth his way, and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. And you look at the illustration like that. Again, here's, here's a man who uh, looks, at, looks at his face in a mirror. He turns away, and he straightway, he immediately forgets what he saw. Therefore, the mirror doesn't profit him. It doesn't do him any good, again, if he merely looks in the mirror, then turns away, and doesn't do anything to correct himself. I mean, why do we look in the mirror in the first place? You know, we get up in the morning, we look in the mirror in order to fix ourselves, right? In order to make ourselves presentable as we go out in public, as we see other people. Again, when we look in the mirror, we see a blemish, we fix it, right? If we look in the mirror and, and again, our, our hair is going in, in a thousand different directions, we do something about it. We fix it, right? The mirror reveals to us what needs to be corrected, but if I look in the mirror and I don't do anything to correct myself, then what does the mirror profit me? The mirror doesn't profit me. And so it is with the person who looks into the mirror of God's word. They see the blemishes of sin all, again, all around them, within their heart, within their mind, within their life, within their actions, within their words. They see the blemishes of sin, but then they turn around and they totally ignore what they just read. They forget what they heard. Again, they, they choose to, uh, again, they, they, they heard it, they saw it, they, again, saw areas of their life, they saw the sin of anger or the sin of lust or the sin of greed or blasphemy or sin or gossip or, again, selfishness, but they ignored the Word of God. They ignore what the Word of God says about their sin and they choose to continue on within their sin. And the Bible makes it clear that this is a deceived person. This is a deceived person who may be quick to hear the word of God, but they're not so quick to obey the word of God. They're not so quick to apply the word of God to their life. And we have to recognize there's a great difference between merely hearing the word of God and hearing and doing the word of God. We must be doers of the word of God. So how can we avoid self-deception? How can we avoid self-deception? Take a look at verse 25. The Bible says here, But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty, and continueth therein, he be not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deeds. So you got two men here, two people here. 
the blessed man and the deceived man. All right? Yeah, I don't know about you. I want to be on this side. I want to be the blessed man. I don't want to be the deceived man. I don't want to be the one who merely hears the word but doesn't obey the word of God. All right, notice what the blessed man does. The blessed man looks into the perfect law of liberty, speaking about the word, and he continues therein. How is that? By obeying the word of God. By applying the word of God. That doesn't mean, again, he has it all figured out. That doesn't mean he's, again, reached entire sanctification, which is not possible in this life. Again, but what it means is he's growing. He's growing day by day. He's growing year by year. You look at him compared to a year ago, again, and he has grown. He still has a long ways to go, but he's applying the truth of the word. He is applying the truth of the word of God within his life. The word here... Uh, that says he he looketh looketh into the perfect law of liberty. The word means to the word looketh means to bend beside, to lean over, or to peer within. All right, so this is not a passing glance of the word. This is not a casual glance of the word of God. No, this is a this is a gazing into the word of God with great carefulness, with great attentiveness, with a great readiness to apply the word of God to one's life. All right, so this blessed man here, he hears the word of God. He obeys the word of God. He continues in the word of God. Again, therefore, he is blessed by the word of God. He has a true commitment to Christ. He's not a, he's not a flash in the pan type Christian. You know, he makes a momentary commitment to Christ and then uh, again uh, turns away and follows Christ only when things are easy. Now again, here is somebody who chooses to hear the word of God, obey the word of God, day in and day out. It's a lifelong commitment to Christ. It is a lifelong commitment to obeying the truth of God's word. And consider lastly here. Again, the blessed man, he hears, he obeys the word. Again, we find that there is a blessing to hearing the word. Listen as I read Luke 6, verses 46 through 49. This was a part of our scripture reading earlier. The Bible says, or Jesus said, why and why call ye me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? All right, so Jesus is saying, again, why do you call me Lord, Lord, but you don't do what I say? All right, if you're going to call me Lord, do what I say, follow me. He says, why call ye me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? Whosoever cometh to me and heareth my sayings and doeth them, I will show you to whom he is like. He is like a man which built an house and dig deep and laid the foundation on a rock. And when the flood arose and the stream beat vehemently upon that house and could not shake it, for it was founded upon a rock. That is the one who hears the word and who obeys the word of God. He is building the house of his life upon the foundation, the rock solid foundation of the word. But the verses go on. It says, but he that heareth and doeth not is like a man that without a foundation built an house upon the earth against which the stream did beat vehemently, and immediately it fell, and the ruin of that house was great. All right, so not only, again, the, the man here who is deceived, the one who only hears and doesn't obey, not only is he deceived, but the Bible says when the storms of life arise again in his, in his life and beat upon the house of his life, guess what happens? And his house crumbles. It falls apart. Again, it, it turns to great ruin. And because he chose not to build his life upon the foundation of God's word. 
And it all goes back to the fact that he heard the word. Again, he's a hearer of God's word, but he's not a doer of God's word. And therefore, he's deceived. And therefore, again, his life comes to ruin. Because sin overtakes his life. Again, rather than holiness and striving for Christ and following him. Again, and building your life upon that foundation so that, again, you're not easily blown over by the winds of, the life, of this life. By the storms of this life. And I want to close tonight with, a, again, a, a short little story that I came across this past week. And it talks about the fact that there was a lady in a church. And um, after the service, she came and shook, she shook hands with her pastor. And uh, she exclaimed, that was a wonderful sermon. She said, everything you said applies to someone else I know. And how true that is. Again, how we hear the word of God and we think, oh, that applies to so-and-so. But did you apply it to yourself? Did you apply it to your own life? Sure, it probably does apply to so-and-so, but it also applies to you. It also applies to your life. And when you hear the word of God, again, let me challenge you. Let me challenge you to come before the word of God with a heart that is prepared. That That is seeking after holiness. That is putting away sin. That is mortifying the deeds of the flesh. That is growing in sanctification. Let me challenge you to come before the word of God, not only that way, but also with a humble heart, a teachable heart, ready to receive the word of God. As a, as a child, again, again, come who has that childlike humility and receives the teaching again, that, they, that they hear. The Bible makes it clear, again, that as we hear the word of God, as we obey the word of God, again, God's blessings abound within our life. Again, God blesses those. God blesses those. Again, who not only hear, but who do the word of God. Let me read verse 25 again in closing. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein, he be not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work. This man shall be blessed in his deed. Let's pray. Father God, we come before you, Lord. And God, we just want to thank you again for the truth before us. God, help us, Lord, to... Not be forgetful hearers, but to be fruitful hearers. God, help us, Lord, not only to hear the word of God, but to do the word of God. God, help us, Lord, to avoid the trap of self-deception, thinking that we're good to go because we've looked in the mirror, but failing to correct and address the, the blemishes of sin that we see within our life. God, I pray that we'd come before your word with humility. God, I pray that we'd come before your word with hearts that are seeking you and seeking holiness. God, putting away sin out of our lives that our hearts are prepared. Lord, like the soil in the garden that is that is able to receive the truth of the word, the seed that is sown therein. God, I pray that our hearts would be prepared to receive the seed of your word. Lord, that is able to save us and deliver us. God, not only from the penalty of sin, but also from the power and the consequences of sin within our life. God, I pray that as we hear this message, God, especially this message, God, I pray that we would not only be hearers of this truth, but that we would apply this truth and make sure that this is a reality within our lives. God, we love you and we praise you and we pray for the grace to live out this truth. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.